Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you today. Uh, Chris is away this weekend at a family wedding. And so uh, I'm here speaking this morning and Chris is going to be back next week where we're going to jump into a new sermon series called Reset, Recapturing the Creative Simplicity of the Early Church. There's going to be six things that the early church uh, focused on and did that we're going to be looking at in this series. It's going to be a great study. I hope that you're looking forward to it. I know I am, uh, not just for the Sunday morning, but also the Sunday afternoon uh, small group experience that's going along with it. There's still room to sign up for that. It's going to start at four o'clock each Sunday, run for about 90 minutes, and it's going to be a great time to dig a bit deeper. Well, as a church, uh, as that's part of the Be in Christ Church of Canada, uh, we are part of a shared mission, which is to be a growing faith community, uh, following Jesus, sharing his message, and extending his peace around the world. And so this morning, uh, I want to just talk about what that means to be a faith community, uh, what it is for the church uh, and our need to be a faith community and taking steps of faith. I hope that it's encouragement to each of us. I've told this story about Jenna before. Uh, this is a faith step that she took. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest ones that she would say changed the direction of her life. And that is when she signed up with Child Evangelism Fellowship, uh, which was the summer that we just had started to be uh, to, to date. Jenna had never really been engaged in kids ministry before, uh, but they signed up with excitement about what God could do uh, if they traveled around Alberta for a summer teaching kids uh, in backyard Bible clubs about Jesus. And God used this faith step in her life uh, to ignite a passion for kids ministry uh, in her heart. And uh, it is something that has changed her life direction and still is uh, being used in our community here. Well, stories of faith, do we, do we have them? Uh, do we have stories where we've acted and we've believed God for uh, things that are bigger than ourselves? Uh, and just believe that God is big enough to come through or stories where you maybe didn't really know the outcome, but you just trusted God and you knew that this was where he was leading. And so you uh, stepped forward in faith, believing that, and you saw God work. Uh, I always challenge myself, you know, I think we all probably all have stories like this, uh, but it's important to think about, do we have any recent stories of this? I mean, we, we probably have stories, but if they're, if they're really, really old stories of uh, steps of faith, you know, that's a challenge to, to us and it's a challenge to myself. And what is God doing recently in my life? What is God calling me to do uh, in this season where he has me? And that's, he's calling me to something bigger than myself where I have to step out in faith and, and, and just trust God for the outcome. So uh, that's where we're headed today. I want to talk about uh, the church being uh, a people of faith. I hope that that's a familiar message. Uh, but today, uh, I, I just believe that God can use this message, uh, something that's said to rekindle a spirit of faith and excitement about what could be. And so let me just open us with a word of prayer today. God, thank you for who you are. We know that you are the same God uh, yesterday, today, and forever the same. And so, uh, God, when we look at our own lives, uh, we want to be a people of faith. We want to be uh, people that's trusting you, a people 
that is looking for opportunities where we can do something bigger than ourselves because you are a big God, you have big plans for your people, and we want to move forward in faith together, uh, just believing you for those big things. And so challenge us today. Uh, may this message uh, around faith, the importance of it, what it is, uh, what it looks like to live a life of faith, may this be an encouragement uh, to those that have been people of faith for years. And may it be an encouragement to those that are maybe just uh, investigating what it means to be a person of faith. And so, God, we just ask that you bless our time today. Uh, use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start out just by asking, what is faith? Uh, Hebrews 11, and I'll read that for us. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the substance of hope. The Greek word here for substance means a support or a foundation. A faith is the foundation of the hope that we have, of, of why we are uh, what we are and why we do what we do. It's the evidence or the conviction of things not yet seen. Uh, being the church, the real church, doesn't happen without real faith. As followers of Jesus and as the church, everything we are and do has to be built on this foundation of faith. So it's an important challenge for us to examine our faith as we begin this new series next week, looking at what the early people of faith held dear in their life and practice. Now Jesus, as he ministered and as he, as he walked and ministered and healed people, he pointed out people's faith a lot. And I wonder what he was referring to. And I think this is what Jesus was saying when he was pointing at people's faith. He was saying, I know that you know that I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God, uh, God in the flesh, uh, the Messiah that was prophesied uh, through the Old Testament prophets, uh, and that I have the power to heal. And because this is your foundation, this is your conviction, uh, you are healed, you're set free, you're forgiven. Uh, so I want to take a look at some of the stories of this and, and times that we see uh, faith in Scripture. And uh, hopefully this will encourage us as we look at a few stories. We're going to begin by uh, turning to John chapter 6. Uh, John chapter 6, we find the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now this is the only miracle uh, pre-crucifixion that is recorded in each of the uh, four Gospels. So I think that there's probably some important lessons for us uh, to learn in it. One of those, I think, is that uh, it doesn't take a ton of faith to see God do amazing things. And so we're going to pick the story up at John chapter 6, uh, verse, right at verse 1. And I'll read this passage. After these things, Jesus went over the, sea of, over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, what, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. 
Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number of about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So just a little bit of background to the story here. John the Baptist has just been beheaded by Herod. Uh, John's disciples had come and they had told Jesus what had happened. And so Jesus, uh, upon hearing about uh, what happened to John the Baptist, it says that he retreated. He was going to a solitary place. Uh, I'm sure that that was more than just a little bit unsettling uh, to the disciples and uh, those that heard. Uh, people get word where Jesus is headed and they follow him. Uh, this isn't a small group uh, either. Uh, we read that there's 5,000 men. Uh, aside from those 5,000 men, it's a commonly held belief that there could have been quite a bit more uh, when you factor in women and children uh, into that number. So whatever the final number is, we don't know it, but it's likely a lot larger than 5,000. The disciples had wanted to send the people away because it was getting late. They were in a place that was outside of the town. Uh, they were thinking ahead and thinking uh, these people need to eat. They need to find some place to sleep. And so uh, we should send them back into the villages where they're going to be able to buy food and find a place for the night. But Jesus has a better idea. And I love the way that Matthew's uh, gospel uh, records Jesus, uh, his words to them. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Uh, the response from the disciples seems uh, consistent. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of faith at this point that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, Peter explains uh, that it would take about eight months wage to, want to, be, or to be able to buy enough food to feed everyone just even a little bit. John's gospel here tells us that this was a test of their faith. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He tells them to go and see what food is available. And Andrew finds this small lad with five barley loaves and two uh, fishes. Uh, I don't know uh, who possesses the faith here. If this is the, the young boy that brought his food and, and, and believed that Jesus could do something with it. Or, or if it's Andrew who brings him. But Jesus says, have the people sit down. And uh, so they jump into action. They have everyone sit down. And Jesus gives thanks for the meal. And then he begins to distribute it. Now, I think this is where the real exercise of faith uh, begins, because knowing that there isn't enough food, the disciples uh, listen to Jesus' instructions, and they begin to hand it out. And it says that after everyone was fed, uh, they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers that were full. I'm sure this was a real faith booster uh, for the disciples that uh, acted, uh, but not just for the disciples, but for all uh, of the people that were there. When we put faith into action, it doesn't just impact us. There's a ripple effect that goes out. A testimony that God is bigger than the problem in front of us and that God is able. Well, why is faith important? Uh, aside from what we already talked about, uh, that faith needs to be the foundation of, of all that we are as followers of Jesus and as a church. Uh, we flip back to Hebrews 11 as well. And in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
If we don't have faith, this leaves room for other traits to develop in our lives that are not at all pleasing to God. It says that with faith, God is pleased. Without faith, God is not pleased. And so we're going to see a couple of those examples from Scripture that we see of what might be some traits that might enter uh, our lives if we don't have faith, if we, if we don't focus on faith. Well, first of all, let's flip over to Matthew 8 and uh, for our first example. How about fear? Fear is one of those things that can creep in when we don't have faith. Uh, we see the, the, the story here uh, of, of Jesus uh, being in the storm and calming the, the water. The wind and the waves obey Jesus, my, my Bible says. Uh, Jesus is woken up in the middle of a storm. Uh, his disciples are terrified. Lord, save us, they say. We're going to drown. And Jesus responds to them reading in, uh, reading in uh, verse 26 of chapter 8. Why are you fearful, fearful, O you of little faith? They are so afraid because their faith is lacking. Lack of faith in who God is allows fear into our lives. And we know that living a life of fear is not pleasing to God. Jesus uh, calms the storm. Uh, they're mar- they marvel at his, uh, as his, at his uh, power. So they say, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Flip over to chapter 16 of Matthew. How about forgetfulness? Uh, Jesus had just finished a discussion with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, who are trying to test him and get him to show them a sign from heaven. Jesus warns his disciples against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees using yeast as an analogy. The disciples, uh, it says here in the scriptures, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Uh, Is it because we have taken no bread, they said, that he talks about this yeast? Uh, Jesus, aware of their discussion, corrects them and says, You have little faith. Uh, Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Don't you remember uh, that I fed 5,000 and how much you had left over? Or another time when he fed uh, 4,000 with seven loaves, how much that they had left over after that? I don't care about bread. Uh, When we aren't walking in faith, we can easily forget that God is still the same God that came through for us before and he wants to do it again. What happens when we forget? Well, we stop moving forward. We stop believing God. We stop looking for ways to take chances for the kingdom. We lose focus on who God is. Uh, We forget what he's done and what he wants to do. And we know that this is not pleasing to God. Or how about just being stuck in the past? Uh, Over in Matthew uh, 13, we see an example of this as well. Jesus is wrapping up teaching uh, a number of parables and he's on the move again. Uh, He arrives at his hometown and he begins teaching and it says the people were amazed. But they start to ask questions. Where did this man get this wisdom and power? Uh, Isn't this just the son of a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here with us? Don't we know them? And people just reduced Jesus to a local boy. Uh, They put limitations on him based on past experiences. Uh, These were all true things that they were saying, uh, but they saw him as only that. They were stuck in the past, 
And it says that they took offense at him and that they didn't honor him. I think not acknowledging the Holy Spirit's work among us and getting, uh, be, and getting behind it, as Chris said last Sunday, I uh, used the analogy of the sailboat, uh, setting our sail to catch the wind of the Spirit. Uh, I think if we're not doing this, we're not pleasing to God. Now, why do we make it so hard for our own to grow up into positions of influence and leadership? Uh, we say, isn't that little Bobby that used to run around and, and, and make a racket in the church? Uh, yeah, maybe it is. But Bobby has grown up and Bobby has matured. He loves the Lord and he has a call in his life and we should get behind him and support him. Why does Bobby need to take his God-given gifts and abilities and go to another church or another country to take, get taken seriously? Uh, we need to encourage growth and we need to create opportunities right here for our young people to mature and grow and practice their gifts. I want to see us be a growing faith community, but I also want to see us be a faith-growing community. Not just a growing faith community, a faith-growing community. Being stuck in the past, not giving honor where honor is due, not recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit in our own, this is not pleasing to God. And I think fear and forgetfulness and being stuck in the past, they all contribute to the same thing, missed opportunities. This passage uh, finishes by telling us that Jesus really didn't do many miracles in his hometown. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Uh, Mark actually, uh, in his telling of this story, uh, emphasizes that Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith. Uh, after all that they had witnessed him do, after all that he, they had heard about him do, and they had very little faith. On the flip side to this, Scripture is full of examples of people who were rewarded because of their faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, again, is uh, a chapter that is full of that as it walks through the Old Testament and talks about some of the, the great people of faith that God used uh, through the Old Testament times. Uh, in Matthew, uh, where we've kind of been uh, back and forth a little bit today, there's lots of great examples as well. If you turn to Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9, we see lots of examples of these. Uh, there's a man with a leprosy uh, that knelt before Jesus. And he says to him, Lord, if you're willing. And Jesus says, I am willing. There's a centurion with a paralyzed and sick servant. Uh, Jesus tells him, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Because of his faith, his servant was healed. And there's the paralytic who was healed uh, because of the faith of his friends that brought him to Jesus. Uh, there's the woman who bled for 12 years. Uh, she just said, if I can just but reach out and touch the edge of his cloak. Uh, and Jesus uh, says to her, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. There's a dead girl that's brought back to life because of the faith of her father uh, that got Jesus to come to her. Matthew 9, there's two blind men that followed Jesus. Now that takes faith. He healed them, uh, saying, according to your faith, will it be done to you? He's pointing out this faith that they each possess, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and that he possesses the power uh, over everything, over life, over death, uh, to, to heal and to restore. Uh, and so he, uh, he does this and he points his faith out in each of these situations. 
when we allow fear or forgetfulness or being stuck in the past to be our life pattern instead of faith, we miss opportunities to see God do amazing things. Well, what does it mean to practically live a life of faith as an individual? Well, it means living and making decisions with faith as the foundation. That's the starting point. It's got to be the starting point that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, uh, that he was crucified and rose again, that he conquered death, that he has a power over life and death, and because of his resurrection power, that we strive to live this life as well. It means being ready to listen to God, his leading by his Holy Spirit who's alive within us, willing to take risks and exercise our faith so that God can be seen. It means being a person of prayer, talking to God about all things in life. It means taking each day, one day at a time, but with an eternal perspective in mind, knowing that he holds the future. It means acknowledging that everything I am and everything I have uh, comes from God and belongs to God. And so uh, we steward it well, what God has entrusted to us. It means looking to God's word to understand who I am, not listening to the voices and the uh, influences of the world around that try to tell me who I am, and, but look, looking to God's word and finding our identity in who God says that we are. It means seeing others the way that God sees them with unsurpassable worth, created in the image and likeness of God, worth Jesus dying for. It means talking about Jesus whenever we get the opportunity, sharing his message. It means loving others the way that God loves us, extending the same forgiveness and grace and mercy that we have been given to those around us. How do we live this faith out in community as a church? Well, I think uh, being as, as a community, uh, this is where we get to live our faith together. Uh, this is, there's, there's safety in taking risks together and listening to God in a family of people that uh, show love and grace and mercy uh, in our shortcomings. And so, uh, you know, showing uh, when we admit our shortcomings, showing grace in that, uh, being patient and kind, uh, whether you're leading a life group for the first time or you're teaching a class or you are being part of the worship team and you just don't feel adequate, you don't feel uh, like, like it's, you feel like it's bigger than you, uh, what better place to do that than in a community of faith where we can practice being the people of God together and, uh, and developing and growing those, those strengths uh, in us. Well, we worship together and we come not be looking for our own preferences. It's for the corporate good of the church. We don't show up to worship uh, empty, expecting to just get, get, get. Uh, we come ready to give, give, give and pour our hearts out in worship and service to each other for Jesus. Uh, we learn together as a church. We serve Jesus together. Many hands make light work. It's about living a life of service together, finding out where you fit finding out where you're gifted, finding out the God-given abilities that you have uh, to benefit others and using them. We sacrifice equally, not, uh, not necessarily equal contribution, but equal sacrifice in our time and our talents and our abilities to see the work of God accomplished through Sabo Christian Fellowship. 
Uh, We discern plans for the future together through prayer and listening to God. Uh, We live out the Great Commission together, working together to reach people for Christ, not just in our, uh, our own community here, but around the world through missions. We pray together. We support each other by linking arms in prayer and holding each other up. We get to celebrate together through faith stepping stones like baptism and child dedications, uh, people joining together in marriage, uh, communion at the Lord's table. Uh, We mourn together as we remember lives of faith that have graduated to glory. And we take risks together. We take on projects that alone any one of us would be, for, for any one of us, it would be way too big. But together we can accomplish what God is directing us to do. This is living by faith. It's being a people of God that take action. It's more than just saying that we are a community of faith, but we need to act like we are, making decisions that are bigger than ourselves and trusting God together for where he is taking us. So I want to ask you, what are you believing God for right now? For yourself, for your family, or for your church? Are there steps of faith that you can take as you look for God to work? Are there areas of unbelief in your heart that you need to deal with? Are there voices or opinions that you're listening to that are holding you back? I want to wrap up today with a, uh, a song. It's a song that, uh, that I want to share with you. It's a song that God put on my heart uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've probably listened to it a hundred times since. It's not a new song, but it was a new song to me. I hadn't heard it before. And so maybe it will be to you as well. And it's a prayer. And it's my prayer as we move into the fall season here. Uh, The song is written and performed by a group that maybe you're familiar with, you may not be, called Iron Bell Music. And the song is called Fall Away. And I want to share it as a prayer as we wrap up our service today, that we would position ourselves individually and as a church in faith to see God move in powerful ways and that everything that's not of God would simply just fall away from us. And so take a minute and reflect on this prayer as you listen.
Dear God, thank you for helping us to make it through this difficult year. I thank you that you've carried us through the uncertainty of deep waters, uh, through the flames of trials, and through the pain of hard losses. We are constantly aware of how much we need you. Your grace, your strength, your power working through even the toughest days. Help us to keep our focus first on you this season. Please forgive us for giving too much time and attention to other things, for looking to other people before coming to you first. Help us to reflect again on you. Thank you that you came to give new life, peace, hope, joy. That is the foundation of our faith. Thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Help us to remember that the gift of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, is our greatest treasure. Fill us with your joy and the peace of your spirit. Direct our hearts and minds towards you. Thank you for your reminder that both in seasons of celebration and in seasons of brokenness, you are still with us, for you never leave us. Thank you for your daily powerful presence in our lives, that we can be assured your heart is towards us, your eyes are over us, and your ears are open to our prayers. Thank you that you surround us with a favor as with a shield, and we are safe in your care. So we choose to press in close to you today and keep you first in our hearts and lives. Without you, we would surely fail, but with you, there is great hope. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for bringing us into this new season up ahead. We look forward to all that you still have in store for us as a church, and we just believe you for great things as we step forward in faith. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.